throughout Lent, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which is far and away the, the best-known block of Jesus' teaching. It's also uh, probably one of the most misunderstood. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is the closest thing that Jesus gave to a manifesto of life in the kingdom. If we want to know what it means to be a Christian, then the Sermon on the Mount, I think, gives us the clearest possible answer. The sermon starts with the Beatitudes, which are essentially Christian characteristics. Uh, what are citizens of God's kingdom like? Well, the Beatitudes tell us uh, Christians ought to be poor in spirit, pure in heart, meek, merciful, peacemakers, and so on. Then the sermon turns to obedience. What does it mean to keep God's Laws And Jesus explains that uh, God requires not more observance of the law, but deeper observance of the law. The kind of observance that comes from the heart rather than lifeless adherence to a set of rules. Next, we come to our motivation. You don't become a Christian because you want people to think well of you. You become a Christian because you want to have an intimate relationship with the living God. Then we come to the question of allegiance. Who or what will we devote our life to? And Jesus gave us two alternatives. He said we can devote our lives to God or we can devote our lives to materialism. It's a stark choice. God or materialism. And now we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount and it's decision time. Jesus says there are two gates, two roads, two ways. One leads to destruction and the other leads to life. And Jesus says it's not always immediately obvious which way a person has gone. And so there's a real danger of deception. We can be deceived by false uh, teachers, false prophets, and we can even deceive ourselves. And so we need to know. We need to know which teachers are the real deal. Uh, we need to be able to look deep within ourselves and know that we're the real deal. And that's what we're talking about this morning, the real deal. And part of that is how can I know that I'm a genuine follower of Jesus Christ? So firstly, we have two gates. Now, we might wish there were a couple more options, but there are two. There's the wide gate and there's the narrow gate. There is a crucial decision to be made. If you've ever seen the film The Matrix, you'll know that the uh, main protagonist, Neo, is a young man who discovers that life is not what it seems. Uh, there is a depth and a dimension and a reality to life that he was hitherto completely unaware of. Uh, and there comes a point in the film where Neo is offered a choice between the blue pill and the red pill. If he takes the blue pill, he will return to blissful ignorance. He will be able to live a life of comfortable deception. The world will go back to the way he perceived it before. But if he takes the red pill, he will experience the true reality of life. But, but, that road uh, will be much more difficult to travel. And the choice that Jesus presents us 
with is in many ways not too dissimilar. Uh, gate one, which is uh, a wide and it leads to a road which is obvious and easy. Uh, going through gate one requires nothing of us. We need leave nothing behind. C.S. Lewis described the broad road like this, and I paraphrase, he said, there is nothing to be obeyed and nothing to be believed except what is either comforting or exciting. So that's the broad gate. And actually, it sounds quite appealing, doesn't it? Then there's gate two, the narrow gate. It's hard to find. We must leave everything behind to go through it. And the road that it leads to is often bumpy and difficult. That's the narrow gate. And if, if that was all the information that we had, I think a lot of us would say, well, I'm going to take the wide gate. That sounds loads better. But then we're told that the wide gate leads to destruction and the narrow gate leads to life, which I think should change our perspective somewhat. Let me give you an example. Driverless cars. Driverless cars are just around the corner. Like it or not, one day we will be, I want to say driving, but using driverless cars. Now imagine that we have a choice between two models. You have model A, that's the deluxe model. It's spacious and it's comfortable. There's loads of room for all your baggage. It's got an amazing entertainment system. It's sleek and it's smooth. It's everything you could want. Except if, like me, you wouldn't really want a driverless car, but that's beside the point. And then you have Model B, and that is the basic model. It's small, and it's pokey, and you have to sit with your bags on your lap. It, it doesn't even have a radio, and it's a real bone shaker. You're definitely not going to have a comfortable journey. Which one would you choose? You choose the deluxe model, right? But what if I told you that the deluxe model has a design fault and every model had at some point crashed with fatal consequences? Conversely, the, the basic model has a 100% safety record. Passengers are guaranteed to arrive safely at their destination. What if I told you that? Which model would you choose then? You choose the basic model, right? We know that the narrow road is not the easy road. It's not the comfortable road, but it is the one that leads to life. Jesus took the narrow road. You remember that in the desert, he was tempted or tested by the devil in the wilderness. Uh, he, was, he was tempted to take another way. He was tempted to take the broad way. He was tempted to subdue the world with power and force. But he didn't. Because that is the way of the world. It's not God's way. On Palm Sunday, when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the road narrowed even more. Jesus was under no illusion how all this was going to end. He willing, willingly uh, headed towards his own crucifixion. Jesus took the narrow road and he followed it all the way to the cross. And when we hear that, I think sometimes we, we wish there could be 
a middle road, a purple pill, a slightly more comfortable car that would still take us to our destination. But there isn't. There are two roads. One leads to destruction and the other leads to life. Now, there may be someone thinking, well, can't I just believe in Jesus and do a few good things and leave it at that? No. We must follow Jesus wholeheartedly and we must follow him wherever he leads. But that's not a forfeit. It's not a forfeit. It's not like some bitter pill that we have to swallow. Despite appearances, it is actually walking the narrow road that leads to deep joy, lasting peace, fulfillment, meaning and purpose. And I'm not just talking about the destination. I'm talking about the journey itself. So we're faced with a choice. Two gates, two ways, two destinations. It's a life and death decision. Many enter through the wide gate, Jesus says, but only a few find the narrow gate. How do we find this narrow gate? How do we find it? Jesus is the gate. And elsewhere, he uses that exact analogy. Jesus describes himself as a gate. We must come to Jesus. We must enter the kingdom through Jesus. But how can we tell if someone has entered through the narrow gate? Well, Jesus talks about two groups of people, teachers and disciples. So firstly, teachers. I just want to check. Can you still hear me at the back there? Yep, you're all good. So Jesus talks about false prophets or teachers who are like wolves in sheep's clothing. People are not always what they appear to be. Uh, When my children were very small, I think more for the sake of their own safety, I wanted to find out who, if anyone, they perceived as a threat. So I showed, showed them a whole series of images of random people. And for each person, I said, is this person good or bad? Are they kind or unkind? And, and, and if the person in the image looked clean and smart and well presented and good looking, my children would say, well, they're good. Uh, but if they looked a bit scruffy and unkempt and, and not so good looking, my children would say, they're bad. This is when they're very small. And I had to explain that uh, you can't be sure what someone is like just by looking at their outward appearance. And so we went back through the images and we kept going through them until they replied to each one. I don't know. I don't know if they're good or bad. I can't tell. And this is a lesson that we need to remember as adults especially when it comes to who we're listening to, who who we're taking our spiritual guidance from. It's very easy to be dazzled by appearances, academic qualifications, accolades, uh, confidence, and so on. But false teachers existed in Jesus's day. They have existed right the way through the history of the church, and there is no shortage of false, false teachers today. So how do we know? How do we know whether we're dealing with a sheep or a wolf? Well, Jesus said, by their fruit, you shall recognize them. You don't pick grapes from thorn bushes. You don't pick figs from thistles. 
Similarly, you don't get good fruit from a diseased tree, and you don't get bad fruit from a tree that is strong and healthy. In the same way, you won't get sound teaching from a false teacher. Ultimately, if someone has chosen the broad road, their teaching will be false as they seek to lead other people down that same broad road. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, but how will we know if their teaching is false? Well, I think there are three things, and all three things uh, overlap and interlock. Firstly, are they preaching from the Bible? Uh, I'm not even talking about the content of what they're saying. The first question to ask is this. Is this person's teaching rooted in the Bible? Is the Bible the source, the foundation, and the inspiration for what's being taught? Now, of course, uh, a, a, a true teacher will need to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is never going to lead someone away from the Word of God. So that's the first thing. Are they teaching from the Bible? Secondly, are they affirming what all Christians have believed at all times and in all places? Because if they're not, that should immediately raise a red flag. Incidentally, that is why we pray the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed regularly during our services. The creeds focus on the non-negotiables of the Christian faith. If someone starts teaching someone uh, something uh, that refutes, denies, or undermines any part of the creeds, then that teaching is false. The creeds condense the message of the gospel in such a way that if we're familiar with them, we will immediately recognize false teaching. That is why the creeds are so helpful. For example, the, the creeds affirm that Jesus rose from the dead. If so, someone then starts denying that Jesus rose bodily from the dead, then that teaching is false. So that's the second thing. Does the teaching accord with what all Christians have believed at all times and in all places? As G.K. Chesterton wrote, a new philosophy generally means in practice the praise of some old vice. And thirdly, assuming that someone is preaching from the Bible, is their teaching accord with what the, in accord with what the Bible actually says? And I don't mean just one verse that's been seized upon, but I mean, is their teaching in accord with the whole thrust of Scripture? Of course, to know that, we need to be familiar with the Bible ourselves, which is another good reason to read it, to study it, to meditate on it, to enjoy it. But false teachers are not just known by the fruit of their teaching. They're also known by the fruit of their lives. Uh, I have a friend who's in the Royal Navy, and he told me about a chaplain on board a particular ship. Uh, uh, and this chaplain was exchanging pornographic material with the uh, lads on the mess deck. Now, that is so clearly at odds with the faith that he was supposed to represent. If someone's life is completely out of whack with the gospel, don't listen to them. A good tree does not produce bad fruit. That doesn't mean that teachers and preachers have to be perfect. No one is perfect. We have to make allowances for a person's humanness. We all make mistakes. We all make mistakes every day. 
Nevertheless, there does need to be some level of consistency between what is being taught and what is being lived out. So there are true and false teachers. And if we want to know if a teacher or preacher is the real deal, if we want to know that they've chosen the narrow road, then we need to look at the fruit of their teaching and we need to look at the fruit of their life. But now we come to the hard bit. Have you ever asked yourself, have we ever asked ourselves, am I the real deal? How do I know that I've chosen the narrow road? How do we determine whether we are true or false disciples? And Jesus says something quite disturbing. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. And Jesus goes on to explain that even those who seem like they're doing the right things may actually have chosen the broad road. And Jesus uses extreme examples, doesn't he? Prophesying, casting out demons, performing miracles in his name. And what Jesus is saying is this, just because somebody looks like the real deal on the outside doesn't mean that they're living a life of faithful obedience to Jesus. Doesn't mean that they're on the narrow road. Now, Jesus uses those examples, prophesying, casting out demons, uh, performing miracles, but we could easily insert any number of other examples. So let me uh, read those verses again uh, with some different examples in there. Many will say to Jesus on that day, Lord, Lord, did I not come to church every week? Lord, Lord, was I not heavily involved in the life of the church? Lord, Lord, did I not do loads of charity work? And Jesus will tell them plainly, I never knew you. When Jesus talks about doing the will of his father, he's not talking about faking it. He's not talking about uh, smoke and mirrors. That is to say, a person can look like they're doing God's will, but really their heart is far from God. Before I met Tissa, she went to a church in central London and the pastor there looked like he had the most amazing ministry. The church was growing. People were coming to faith. People were being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I do believe that God was at work in that church. But behind the scenes, the pastor was doing the most evil things. And eventually he was caught and he went to prison. And I believe that that is God removing him from that situation. But on the day of judgment, he won't be able to say, Lord, Lord, I grew the church and people came to faith. It was a great time of ministry. Jesus will say, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Jesus said this, and it's not easy, is it? But you're not a Christian because you do God's will, you do God's will because you're a Christian. It's important that we get that the right way round. But when we choose a narrow road, when we choose to follow Jesus, there will be a gradual, progressive change in our character and in our behavior. Not, not just the behavior that's seen by other people, but also what we do in secret. But of course, I have to keep emphasizing this does not mean that we are perfect. And sometimes we might feel that we've taken a massive step back. 
but there will be that gradual progressive change in our character, in who we are, and that is a change that is brought about by the Holy Spirit. There will be inconsistencies. We're not perfect. But if, our, uh, if over time our behavior, either that which other people see or that which is done in secret, if our behavior is the complete opposite of the kind of life that God would want for us, then we would have to ask ourselves, have I entered through the narrow gate? Am I on the narrow road? So we have true and false teachers and we have true and false disciples. And what this uh, creates is, in effect, two churches. You have the institutional church and you have the true church, the church of Christ. The institutional church is everything that comes under the general umbrella of Christianity. Uh, Buildings, people, churches, structures, everything. The church of Christ is those who have genuinely taken the narrow road. It's those who truly know and love Jesus. And you will find these people in every denomination. It's possible to be part, though, of the institutional church without belonging to the church of Christ. Unfortunately, to the world, to the people out there, it all looks like the same thing. And it's not always a very attractive picture, but a tree shall be known by its fruit. If someone is following Jesus, there should be evidence of that in their life. Harold Shipman was a doctor who is believed to have deliberately murdered as many as 250 of his patients. Uh, He is one of the most prolific serial killers of all time. Now, when this story broke in the UK... Nobody said, oh, these doctors, they're a bad lot. We need to do something about these doctors. We need to get rid of doctors. We need to avoid doctors. Nobody said that. Everybody recognized that Harold Shipman had gone against all the ethical uh, codes and practices of his profession. He couldn't then stand before the judge and say, yeah, I murdered lots of people, uh, but I was a good doctor. I made people well. The judge would say, you're no doctor, you're a fraud. And it's the same kind of thing with the church. Someone whose life, whose behavior is completely at odds with the life that Jesus calls us to cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ. The word Christian literally means imitator of Christ. On Palm Sunday, Jesus followed the narrow road to Jerusalem a road that would lead him to his death. Jesus calls each one of us to take up our cross and follow him. That is daunting, isn't it? I find that daunting. The narrow gate, the narrow road is not an easy option. It's not a cushy option. It means leaving things behind. It means making sacrifices. It means we've got to change. But it is the road that leads to life, both in the present world and in the world to come. And if we want to be the real deal, if we want to know that we are true followers of Jesus, we must consciously and intentionally take this narrow road. There is no other for followers of Jesus Christ.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we recognize that uh, passages like this are, are difficult. It's a very stark choice, the, the wide gate and the narrow gate, but there's no avoiding this. Father, we pray that we will be prepared to not only enter the narrow gate, but keep following you along that narrow road. And Father, we recognize that we are sinful human beings, that we make mistakes, we drop the ball, we get it wrong. But Father, we pray that over the course of our lives, we will progress along that narrow road, a road that leads to everlasting life with you. Father, help us to be the people, help us to be the church that you call us to be a light to the world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.